Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Pod Diva. Hello and welcome back to the Diva Debrief with me, Rachel Shelley. And me, Victoria Broom. Diva Debrief is your favourite weekly podcast. As your weekly podcast, it goes hand in hand with Diva Magazine. And when it's all joined up like this, it makes Diva the world's leading brand for LGBTQIA plus women and non-binary people. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, Rachel, did you know it is Lesbian Visibility Week this month? April. I did know that. We have a whole host of amazing interviews coming up for Lesbian Visibility Week, which is April 25th through to May 1st. Lots of extra content to help you celebrate Lesbian Visibility Week. Yay! Yes! There are also the Diva Awards. The Diva, don't forget the Diva Awards, which I remember the first Diva Awards, Rachel Shelley, where you came out in that fantastic white suit. I'm sure anybody that was there remembers Rachel Shelley walking on stage at the Diva Awards at Cafe de Paris in London. pretty amazing. I think that was like three, four years ago. Uh, yeah, so that's this year, April the 29th. It'll be a very exciting event because last year I don't think it happened at all. Now we're back. Everything's happening again in person. Very exciting. So, Rachel, you're sounding like you're somewhere else. Where are you? Because you are not in the studio with me. So where are you? I'm actually in India. Oh, wow. In a city called Ludhiana, which is, I think, the biggest city in the Punjab. And I'm actually recording, coming to you, listener, from my hotel room, specifically in the wardrobe. Rachel is in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's the quietest place. It's about 110 degrees outside. Wow. <laughs> I've turned off the air conditioning so that we can record. And yeah, here I am in India. In a closet. In a closet. <laughs> come back to India and come back into the closet. Yeah, because you've worked in India before, haven't you? And we had to be on borders from India as well, if I remember right. Um, mm. And I know that India has quite a special place in your heart. So it's nice that you're back there. It's really nice to be back. Last time I was here working, anyway, was in the year 2000 when I did a big film called Lagan at the time, which ended up going to the Oscars. It did go to the Oscars. Yeah. So that makes you an Oscar-nominated actress? No, unfortunately, I'm not specifically nominated. Yeah, but you're, you were in a film that was Oscar-nominated. The film was, yeah, now on, maybe I'll say that. Put it on the CV, Oscar-nominated actress. Oscar-nominated. It was nominated for the best <laughs> foreign film. Well, that's a huge achievement. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was great. When I came out to do it, no one expected that to happen. Well, no one in England expected that to happen at all. My agent said, you can go off and do it, but you'll never hear of it again, darling. Oh, Lo and behold, I think it's probably one of the most successful films I've ever 
been in, if not the most successful. Well, congratulations. What's it called again? The film is called Lagan. Lagan. Once Upon a Time in India. And it's usually on Netflix. Oh, well done, Rachel. 20 years ago. Thank you. 20 years ago and still going strong. It was lots of fun. Can we go straight in and talk about this insane cover photo of Saran Jones and Sophie Rundle? I mean... I know! How amazing is that cover? It's quite an incredible... It's a very arresting picture. Arresting, Because they're both... Don't you think? Yeah, good word. Because they're both in costume for the TV show Gentleman Jack. Makes you think, what would Anne Lister, what would the actual woman think of that? Oh, I think she would own it. To see herself (laughs) on the cover. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But to see herself on the cover of a magazine. This is a woman who I'm sure everyone listening to this has watched it. It's quite startling that she kept this very, very detailed diary, apparently over 5 million words, 26 volumes, you know, really extensive diaries. But also she used code words to describe certain things. So I've read Annie Lister's diaries and they're fascinating. She was an incredible woman and I do think that she would love the fact that she's gracing the covers of, of Diva magazine. And that's what's so brilliant. I mean, 1832 yeah. in Yorkshire, she buries the books. Someone finds them and says, oh, we should burn them. And someone else says, no, I'm holding on to them. And look where she is now. I mean, incredible that she felt then that she had to write, even in her own diary, she had to write in code. Mm, and mm. now splashed all over the television, all over magazines. It's it's amazing. What I think is great that's happened since kind of Gentleman Jack. So I read Annie Lister's diaries way like before Gentleman Jack was even talked about as, as a television series. I feel, and it is, it's very much part of lesbian history. But what I love about the impact of Gentleman Jack has had on lesbian history is that finally since the show aired in 2019, Annie Lister now has a blue plaque which is amazing i mean this woman was groundbreaking yes it's great that something that's so mainstream has made all of this happen and annie lister's recently just had a statue being unveiled of her in in shipton hall i think it's great i think it's great and this is what was so interesting i'm going to link us back to an earlier like diva debrief that we had of where we talked with the casting director kelly valentine hendry about queer actors playing queer roles and the thing is is if they had of cast openly queer actresses in those two leading roles would the show be as successful as what it is with saran jones and sophie rundle headlining the the show who knows yeah very interesting who can say but the fact that that show has been made and it's done that for lesbian history and for our community i am so very thankful to sally wainwright for sharing annie lister with the world and we've got an interview with sally wainwright in the magazine as well about Gentleman Jack. What an amazing woman she is. I mean, some of her projects, like Last Tango in Halifax. I mean, I think all of them feature lesbian characters. Yeah. Do you know she started off in Emmerdale and Coronation Street? I love Sally Wainwright. She has done a lot for queer female representation in television, in mainstream television. She says something really interesting because a lot of people that have watched Gentleman Jack talk about the sex scenes in Gentleman Jack. Well... I mean, of course, they talk about the sex scenes in Gentleman Jack. Of course they talk about the sex scenes. What's interesting in (laughs) Sally's interview is that she has made a point that it's not from the male gaze because there are so many shows 
that do lesbian sex scenes and so many films. And there was a film not very long ago, which I'm not going to name. And you could just tell it was directed by a man because of the sex scenes between the two women. You could, you yeah. could just, you could just tell it was from a male gaze. And it was very frustrating to the point where I nearly left the cinema, but I didn't. Oh. And I, I was really peed off about it. Yeah. Oh, it's such a shame. But And I love that Sally, that she says it needs to not be the male gaze. And it's not. I mean, she's the director, so. What do you mean specifically about the male gaze? How is it different? You can just tell. It's kind of more fetishized from the male gaze. Interesting. I'd like to actually hear more about that. Wait, right, let's talk about your sex scenes, Rachel, shall we? Oh, God. Did you have an intimacy coordinator? Because that's like a new... That's new, isn't it? No, we never had anything like that. I'm sure they do now, but no, we didn't. I'm guessing because the sex scenes, anybody that's watched the old word, the sex scenes were great. Were you directed by queer women for those scenes? You know, we had male and female directors and not all the women, female directors were gay. We had a real mixture. You'd probably only do one, maybe two sex scenes in a season. I can't really remember who directed each of the sex scenes I did. One thing I really remember was on one of my first scenes where my character Helena had just gone down on Tina. I can remember having this whole discussion with the director, a man, and I remember saying to him, do you have any notes for me on this kind of thing? And he said, well, you got to imagine that you've just been got your face down in there and you're just sucking on this really gorgeous and I thought he was going to say like piece of mango or something I don't know what he was going to say but he said a really gorgeous piece of sushi what what I was like oh oh okay (laughs) I mean you don't suck on sushi sucking on a gorgeous piece of sushi said and I remember being a bit like oh Oh, okay. I actually think that's the funniest note an actor's ever been given. (laughs) It was really strange. It was a very strange note to be given. Honestly, that's really made me chuckle. I don't think I'll ever forget that, Rachel. (laughs) It also takes away... The sexiness of that oh, scene for me now. Completely. So, completely. It will never, I will never be able to watch you in the L whatever again, except for thinking about <laughs> pieces of sushi. That was one of my first scenes as well of, you know, any intimacy. Uh, oh, Remember it very clearly because it all come down to LA to do location shoots. And I was staying at the Chateau Marmont, which is like one of the most... Of course, fancy hotel yeah. because my character Fantastic. was staying there. Nice, you know, it was the most exciting thing. It was the yeah. most exciting thing. So I would have sucked on sushi all day for you know in order to do that. What what a thing for you to say. <laughs> Well, I'm really, honestly, I'm not sure where to take this now, Rachel. When I did my first season on The L Word, I remember I wrote a piece for the Guardian newspaper about starting on a TV show. Because previous to that, I... I think I remember that. I wrote a piece for the Guardian about going to the Oscars. Before that, I'd written a piece about filming in India, that film that we talked about. And that piece that I wrote about filming in India was a variation on my diary that I kept when I was in India, which links us 
quite beautifully, if a bit laboriously, back to this idea of keeping a journal. Anne Lister did, yeah. Anne Lister did, which is why we have Gentleman Jack. Yeah. But also in Diva magazine, some of the writers and editors talk about keeping a diary mm-hmm. and how different it is for them. Shah Bailey saying she journals and keeps a sort of diary more so since I got my autism diagnosis. And she said she's recently started writing poetry too, which right. I think is brilliant. And she writes a piece about her yeah. autism diary in this month's issue of Diva, which is a fascinating, very enlightening read. I think so many people are on the spectrum of autism anyway. Until you read about it, until you yeah. know about it, you don't know if you are on that spectrum. But then things will start to make sense if you go, oh, okay, so I'm not the only yeah. person. Okay, it details the feelings and experiences. And there's, there's an interesting bit that Shah says about if I'm cuddling with someone, they can't breathe on my face. If you touch the top of my head, it makes me want to scream. Because if you don't know that about somebody, you could be slightly kind of, okay, what the hell is going on? But then the more that we talk about it, the more will people understand it, that we're all all different. And we're all complicated. Complicated. It doesn't yes. always make sense. If It's very interesting. April is World Autism Month. I didn't know that. That is good to know. Autism Awareness Day is April 2nd, so a couple of days after this episode drops. I do keep diaries, but I think everyone's different, and Shah is obviously finding it very helpful. I find writing a diary really helpful for me to work out what I think. I find it like free personal therapy. And I've always found writing a diary really cathartic. But it's interesting, one of the other Diva magazine staff writers, Nick Crisera, says their diary would just become full of to-do lists. Interesting. What about you? Do you? So when I was younger, I used to keep a diary. Yeah. Quite regularly, I used to write a diary. In adult life, I don't. When I was older like in my 20s or something, I found my diaries from when I was really young. And it talks about my attraction for women and not understanding it. And it's what was really lovely to read is it's kind of me working out my sexuality through my diary, which was which was really great to read and my little queerness when I was like... 10 or something see, very cathartic the, there's the play by oscar wilde the the importance of being earnest where they say um i'm never without my diary one should always have something sensational to read on the train <laughs> so that's how i feel about diaries that's how i feel about diaries nice little quote there victoria broom i am impressed <laughs> that you just had that one up your sleeve thank you very much that takes thank us very you. nicely into the next feature which is Conversation I had with Kat Lyons, who is a poet and spoken word performer. I spoke to Kat last week about the show they're touring at the moment called Dry Season. Let me tell you the story. It's about the girl. I started developing Dry Season as a response to being diagnosed with premature menopause when I was 38. So technically under 40, it's called premature ovarian failure, which is which is always nice to be told you're a failure at something. My name's Catherine Lyons. Everyone calls me Cat. I'm a spoken word performer and writer and poet based in Bristol. I'm starting to tour my first solo show called Dry Season. 
I identify as queer, non-binary, genderqueer, um, but I'm kind of in the nope category of gender and my pronouns are they, them. It was quite a shock for me. I had 18 months of undiagnosed symptoms, which were very severe. I stopped sleeping, paranoid anxiety. I lost loads of weight and I thought I was having a nervous breakdown and it was really frightening. It was only when I started having hot flushes and an older colleague, she was saying, does it feel a little bit like you put your head in the oven, but you are the oven. I still thought of myself as young and menopause, I thought just happened to people who were old. It was something not even on my radar. And I considered myself a good feminist. I realised I knew nothing about menopause. I just thought it got to sort of like late 50s and it kind of stopped and I got some hot flushes. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. In our society, women's bodies and, and people who are perceived to be women, like our worth is very tied up to our beauty and our desirability. And when that's sort of intrinsically tied to youth, it's very easy to feel that that's all disappeared. When you're told, oh, now you're old, this is a thing that happens to old people and therefore now you're old, you're not worth things. It's amazing how much you, you just breathe that stuff in through living in a, in a patriarchal society. And I was like, age is just a number until it gets to this number that affects me. <laughs> I process things through writing because I'm a writer. Started to to write poems about it, which which were very bad to start with because it was basically therapy for me. And then I started editing the poems and they became actual art. A lot of these women that I were talking to online were all saying similar things, how they felt invisibilised, that there was this real transition that they were all going through, but that nobody was really talking about. The uprooted trees don't care, the storm is only passing through. And I was crying in the kitchen one day and my housemate came in and she was saying, yeah, it's, it's really crap, but also this is Arts Council gold. Yeah, you should do something with this. <laughs> no one's talking about it. You should talk about it. Similar to the way that menstruation was never, never mentioned it, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And now that's moved on which means that there's less ignorance and it means that people are more willing to seek help or to talk about it with their friends. And just factually, half of humanity experience this. You know, even if someone doesn't have ovaries themselves and will never experience it, they're very likely to know somebody who will. It's strange because I started writing Dry Season when I sort of still identified as a cis woman. The process of making this artwork and transitioning into acceptance of a new physical state involved a lot of sitting with my connection to my body, to my connection to my gender, how all these hormones have such a huge effect. Like I am not myself when I don't put my hormones on. So then if I don't put my hormones on, who am I? if I don't recognise myself. And I really felt myself sort of disappearing down this long tunnel and I'd look there and like wave at myself as I disappeared and I was like, am I ever going to come back? And now I am back, but it still feels a bit like, am I only back because I put this gel on myself every day? <laughs> it, it's quite a philosophical uh, brain melt when you start going into it. I am always stuck in the revolving door 
I've had like experiences with eating disorders, not really liking my body with all of this sort of gender dysmorphia, which is what I now conceptualize it as being able to take the time to sit with all of these feelings and write about them, crystallized things for me. And it was like, ah, oh, yeah. Much of the menopause literature is so cishet norm. And that feeling of dislocation from the literature made me think, where are all these other areas of dislocation that I'm feeling? The best thing I could think of it was imagining that I'd just been walking with a stone in my shoe for sort of 40 years and I'd never realised. And I'd been walking. There was always a bit of a, a slight limp, a bit of a discomfort. You know, some people, their stone is a lot bigger. My stone is a, is a small stone. But now I've taken it out. Oh, my God. It is so much more comfortable to move around. Yeah, that's in a poem. <laughs> I went to art college and did very cliched feminist performance art involving getting naked. It's probably nothing. Looking back, it was probably terrible. But performing wasn't totally new to me and writing wasn't totally new to me. So I just sort of joined them together. And I was at the time working middle management, office job. I was coasting. I realised when my mum died that one day I would also be dead. And did I want to do this forever? Or did I want to try and do something else? I started exploring performance storytelling. I entered a, a story slam and I was like, I bet you to pretty pop. If I do all right in this, I'll give it a proper go. Uh, and I won. We placed it on my windowsill. And now... Watch it grow. I'm touring a show and I have a book. It turns towards the sun. That's happened in five years. It fills the window frame. I feel like I haven't entirely wasted my time. <laughs> it flourishes. It was maybe a good decision. Writing can be an incredibly powerful tool for processing your emotions. Poetry is for everybody. It's a tool for people to express what is important to them. And it shouldn't be kept on this pedestal as this elitist art form. I prune it from my bed. Whether or not they ever share it with anybody, just the fact that you write into an experience can lead you into all sorts of really interesting tangents, things that you didn't even know you thought. And more self-knowledge, I find, is always useful. And you can end up in, in strange and beautiful places, and I think that's really valuable. Now, after every show, younger people are like, oh, I'm going to talk to my mum about this. This explains why my mum was like this, and I never realised. Hopefully, in a small way, it's, it's working to generate sort of more empathy and knowledge, less isolation in the world. It should only be a good thing. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Diva. Some of the soundscape and music you heard there is from Kat's animated film Duvet Days, which they collaborated with Adelia Day on. Adelia Day is a trans poet and animator. And you can still catch Kat's show Dry Season, April 16th in Exeter. It's catlions.co.uk, cat with a K. So can I just say that I love talking about menopause. Do you like to talk about it, Rachel? Because I love, I literally talk about it. <laughs> if anyone will listen, I will talk about it. And I, I'm a few years off from menopause because we don't talk about it enough. It annoys me that we don't talk about it enough. It annoys me there's not enough material out there. There's not enough information. There's not enough research. There's not no. enough research into women's health anyway. But I love talking about menopause. I think it's becoming less of a taboo. I love that Kat's done this. Let's talk about it because there are women in their late 30s, yes, for sure. sometimes younger, that do go through early menopause. But guys and gals, there are 51% of the population will probably go through menopause. So let's talk about it and stop making it a taboo. There we go. That's my preach. <laughs> Yeah, no, preach, sisters. I agree with you. And yet at the same time, I think when you've gone through menopause and you've come out the other side, which I don't think I have completely, but, you know, I'm 52 and I think I was in perimenopause for quite a long time and just thought that I was become a miserable old bag. And then I was like, oh, no, hold on. This is this is perimenopause. It's that. It's that. Yeah. And the physical side of it is horrible. But now I'm very glad that it's out there. So if you want to talk about it, if you want to hear about it, it's all there. Now, I'm not so inclined to talk about it because I'm like, oh, my God, I've lived it for however many years. And now, I see. to be honest, I don't really want to think about it anymore. But do you not think that for women such as yourself that have an, or are going through menopause, that it's good to talk about it because... We will have more knowledge of menopause. The younger generations will have more knowledge of menopause. By the time that we're in menopause, there'll be a lot more stuff oh, available sure, sure. to, yes. to, to women. When they start telling us about the periods, they need to also talk about menopause. And I know that's bringing it in early on, but mm. 
it's going to happen. So yeah. it shouldn't be, nobody should be ashamed of it. It happens. No, of course. No, there's there's no shame in it. And I find myself, if it's happening to me, then I'll talk to whoever wants to listen about mm. it. I'm quite open about it. I'll just, I've said, oh, I'm having a hot flush. And I've said it in all sorts of environments, which maybe some people might have thought, you shouldn't mm. mention it. In- well, tough to them. But no. I'm just like, no. Shut off. Yeah, exactly. That's my view. Absolutely. It's like, this is what I'm going through. and if As will 51% of you know, the population. As valid as any other experience. Sod off. <laughs> That's what I say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Even as I'm talking, I can feel a hot flush coming on because of the... <laughs> it's kind of... It goes on. Oh, okay. For some people, it goes on for a long time and it can be a little bit... I'm just going to have to take my T-shirt mm. off. Did you? Mm. I zip up my hoodie. What, are you actually taking your T-shirt off now? What? <laughs> what? Yeah, I just I just took my hoodie off. Oh. But then I just realised that I'm in the hotel room in India. It's 100 degrees outside and I've had to turn the air conditioning off. Oh, that's why you're having a hot flush. Not because... Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. why I'm hot. Because it's a bit hot where you are and you're in a cupboard. And I'm sitting in a cupboard. <laughs> and then coming up... Next, we have quite a sobering Beyond Borders this month. Mm -hmm. It comes from Anna in Poland. Originally, when I was in touch with Anna, I had no idea how world events were about to unfold and transform all our lives. So it's, it's a very sobering piece. Anna's an academic at the University of Warsaw in Poland. She studies women's writing. She sent me her audio March 14th. And, of course, the situation is constantly changing as the wall develops in real time. Yeah. Let's listen to Anna, who is in Warsaw. No matter how much you try to help and do something, it still feels insufficient, makes you feel really powerless and overwhelmed in the face of this tragedy. My name is Anna Jabagina and I live and work in Warsaw. I am 32 years old. I am a first-generation Pole coming from a Russian immigrant family that moved to Poland in the mid-80s. I first came to Warsaw in 2010 when I was accepted to the University of Warsaw. Twelve years later, I'm still here. I finished my bachelor's, master's and PhD degrees at the Department of Polish Studies. I am currently working there as an assistant professor of literary history and I live with my wife Iza and our two adopted dogs, Bożenka and Sasanka. I am a literary historian. Since I started my academic career, my research was focused on women's writings from the second half of the 19th and the beginning of the 20th centuries. I think I've always been fascinated with women's writings, especially since we didn't have a lot of feminist perspectives during our school education. But it really flourished when I first met my then bachelor's advisor, Professor Lena Manion. Her passion, knowledge and dedication were truly <laughs> infectious. It allowed me to become the scholar I am now. Currently, I am working on a project entitled Sapphic Modernism in Women's Writings from the Areas of Russian Empire. It is dedicated to uncovering the history of queer women's writings from areas that have never been researched from this perspective before. Sapphic modernism refers to the creative search for a new language that will allow literary expression of non-heteronormative experiences and identities. 
My research includes such writers from Polish, Russian and Ukrainian literary histories as Narcyza Żmichowska, Lidia Zinowieva Anibal, Aniela Gruszecka and others. Working on this project and working on women's writings in general, in a way, is a path to discovering my own history. The way to give back the righteous place in history to these uh, brilliant and very often marginalized women creators. Since being able to teach and connect with students, um, mainly discussing forgotten women's voices from the past, is probably one of the most rewarding aspects of my work. Right now, the situation in Warsaw is becoming more and more intense. Uh, since the beginning of Russia's invasion on Ukraine, more than 2 million people have been forced to escape. In Warsaw alone, uh, yesterday, we had more than 200,000 Ukrainian refugees that arrived here in the last two weeks alone. Uh, some were lucky enough to find accommodation in flats and houses of people who just volunteered to share their homes with strangers in need, but thousands of them are still staying in temporary shelters, arranged in large public spaces like the Torvar Sports Hall, for example. Many people are trapped in railway stations, they've managed to get to Warsaw, but they have nowhere to go from here, and it is uh, really heartbreaking to witness that. But at the same time, thousands of Polish citizens just rushed for help from the beginning of the war. A couple of days after the first bombing over Ukraine, I was able to drive to the border, hoping to help people that fled their country on foot to get to Warsaw or other larger cities in Poland. We didn't really know what we were doing, but I just felt that I had to be on the move, otherwise I'd break down. Um, after almost seven hours on the road, we arrived at Budomierz, uh, one of the border crossings between Poland and Ukraine. We packed my car with food, blankets, water. My mother gave us some teddy bears. She sued herself for kids that we could meet there. At the refugee reception point, we've met a group of five, two mothers and their children. I speak Russian, so we were able to communicate. They needed transport to Krakow, decided to drive them there. On the road, they shared the stories from their escape, talked uh, about bombings in their cities. It was really baffling to realize that the way they were speaking about it sounded just like any other ordinary story from our daily lives. Since then, I have been trying to help locally in Warsaw. Yesterday, for example, I bought the most necessary things for the newly opened shelter, including flip-flops, diapers, formula, some toys and laundry dryers. All of this thanks to the donations of my friends and their friends. The most challenging thing about it, no matter how much you try to help and do something, it still feels insufficient, makes you feel really powerless and overwhelmed in the face of this tragedy. I think we all just try to take uh, one day at a time here. Sadly, I feel that I have much more fears than hopes regarding the future right now. The last few years have been really difficult for many reasons. In Poland, we witnessed the horrendous rise of homophobia since 2018, 
most of it was fueled by the government and the ruling party. Uh, we didn't really have a lot of rights here before, but still now it's even worse since one third of the country was declared an LGBT free zone by the local authorities. Attending pride parades in cities posed a direct threat to people's lives and health. In 2019, Poland was ranked the most homophobic country of the European Union. And then the pandemic hit, and now we are facing a humanitarian and economic crisis as millions of people were forced to run for their lives from the war that is taking place just behind our border. So, frankly, at this moment, only hopes I have are small and modest. Unfortunately, uh, growing up in a small town in Poland meant that I didn't really have any friendly spaces that could help me as a lesbian teen to embrace my identity. For most of my teen years, I was frightened and trying to fight the feeling that I was in some way different from my peers. Things really changed during the last year of high school. Uh, one of my friends came out to me as a bis bisexual woman and then lent me a pirate copy of all seasons of The L Word. I can't even begin to describe what a breakthrough it was for me to watch the show. I think that it is shared experience for thousands of queer uh, millennial girls, seeing for the first time that somewhere in the world it is really possible to be queer, live your life, have a community, have work and family. It really opened my eyes to the idea that living outside the heterosexual matrix is really possible. A year later I moved to Warsaw, as the capital city had much more to offer to queer people in general. I started going to girls-only dance parties with my friends, cut my hair shorter. Although I was terribly shy and hilariously unable to flirt, I still managed to meet uh, Isa at one of these parties. And last September we got married in Copenhagen. With my wife, we are planning to move to Berlin, so I am hopeful that it would be possible and that it would provide a safer place for our family to live. Wow, I mean, you can hear in Anna's voice when she's talking about the Ukrainian refugees and what's happening in Ukraine, her upset and her anguish. And it's a really moving Beyond Borders piece. So thank you, Anna, for sending that. Yeah, thank you. Some of those recordings, so she sends me audio, which is her voice recording, but then I asked her to go and make some recordings from the refugee centre. Wow. Very upsetting. And obviously, at the time of recording, over 10 million people have left Ukraine because of the invasion. And that's a figure from the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. And over 2 million of those refugees have crossed over into Poland. I mean, it's shaken everyone. In November 2020, I worked in Kiev. I don't know if you knew no. this. No. Yeah, so I was filming in Kiev. So seeing all of this unfold is horrific because there are people there that I would have worked with that will be there fighting and it's just so sad. So this piece is really, really lovely. Anna, thank you for sending it through to us.
In the Diva magazine this month, there's an emergency fund that's been launched by Give Out, supporting LGBTQI Ukrainians. 100% of the donations go to the appeal. So that's something to look up in, in Diva magazine as well this month for more information on donations towards LGBTQI uh, Ukrainians. There's another piece actually in the magazine about the Diva Awards and it was quite sweet to see a picture of you and me, Victoria Brew, with Lady Phil. In our fabulous dresses. (laughs) In our fabulous clothes and Ruth Hunt at the 2019 Awards at the Waldorf Hotel Was that the first time that we hosted together or the second? Yeah, I think that was the second this year, it's going to be Sophie Ward, who's amazing, amazing actress, but also a very accomplished writer now. Do you know she was long listed for the Booker Prize for her book, Love and Other Thought Experiments? Which I have. She's got a new book coming out in May as well. What a night that's going to be. And that's set April 29th to coincide with Lesbian Visibility Week. So be very, very visible lesbians wait 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 a moment you're nominated darling i'm right nominated celebrity ally i think is that right apparently yes alongside naomi campbell you're nominated yeah, alongside like naomi campbell and <laughs> jodie comer <laughs> celebrity ally who does most for the lgbtqi plus community uh my my vote is for rachel shelley oh well thank you very much I got this little notification saying you're nominated celebrity ally. And I thought, oh, I'm, do I still fit in that category as a celebrity? And then you see Naomi Campbell, Jodie Comer. I mean, so yes, <laughs> if you'd like to go and vote, you can go to www.divarewards.co.uk. Vote, vote, vote. Yes, it's very nice to be nominated. And I hope that it is for my work on Pod Diva. It is. It is. Our work on Pod Diva. So what's coming up? What's coming up on Pod Diva? It's Lesbian Visibility Week coming up and we will have lots of extra bonus pieces happening. There's just going to be a plethora of lesbian media that you can get your teeth stuck into, like a nice piece of sushi. Like a nice piece of sushi. <laughs> and coming up on Pod Diva, your favourite LGBTQIA plus podcast, next week we're celebrating the TV show Gentleman Jack even more because not only have we given you the stars of Gentleman Jack, that's Saran Jones and Sophie Rundle, in their Gentleman Jack costumes on the cover, not only have you got that striking cover, they also give Roxy, our editor, a really fascinating in-depth interview it's really interesting i think how you know these two actresses met on the show and have obviously really bonded they seem to have a really beautiful friendship now yeah i think when you're working in such close proximity with someone and you're having intimate scenes with someone you are going to become close and you are going to you know have a have a bond that you're not going to have with absolutely you know someone that you're just doing office scenes with or something and you'll definitely see that chemistry more so in the next season i think because they've had a whole season to kind of build up that that rapport so do do have a read there were two actresses on the l word the actresses used to say that when they were arguing in the show that they would find it harder to hang out off screen because you spend your time giving someone evil eyes if you crystallize it down you're sort of sending all this bad energy towards them because you're angry or you know you're upset yeah i can see that yeah oh that's what being upset 
and angry with someone is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Whether you're creating it or it's being forced upon you, which it's the same thing. It sits in you the same way. It sits inside you the same way and molds your behavior. It's a slightly weird thing. It's Daniel Day-Lewis, isn't it? His wife always says, you know, I don't know who's coming home tonight because he's always method all the time. So I guess when you're kind of, you're with that person day in, day out, it is the relationship that it is on screen sometimes. It's definitely an interesting read to get an insight into kind of the workings of actors. And also an insight behind the scenes, I think, because as you said, Sally, Wainwright gives a very interesting interview, I think, the writer-director of gentleman jack and because we know our listeners and readers love it so much next week we're celebrating gentleman jack even more because we've got the creators behind that incredibly catchy theme song oh wow which once you've heard it once in the day you just don't stop hearing it all day belinda ohuli and heidi teeder oh they're a folk duo wife and wife oh wow they created that song years ago way before the show came along oh lovely and how that impacted on the show and on Sally Wainwright's creation of the show, then have a little listen next week. I do think that theme tunes, like, impact they, you. Oh, they do. I mean, look at Betty's The L Word theme tune. Do you remember when we danced on the stage? That was amazing. That. At, Lo- at London Pride on the Diva stage. Playing air guitar. There's nothing I like more than playing a bit of air guitar. and oh, Actually, on stage. Oh, my goodness. That's fantastic. Head banging and air guitar. Let's have a little listen to the theme song. My name is Belinda O'Hooley. I'm a singer-songwriter. I'm Heidi Teeter. I'm also a singer-songwriter with Belinda and a mummy to Flynn. Behind her back, she gentleman Jack, the Yorkshire lady of renown. Never so fine, more toe the line, speak her name, gentleman frown. But shipped it all, she had them all. We wrote the song uh, Gentleman Jack in 2011. We were inspired by a friend telling us all about Ann Lister. Never heard of her, even though um, Shibden Hall is literally down the road from us. Then she said, and her nickname was Gentleman Jack, and me and Heidi just looked at each other and usually when we do that that's a sign that it's going to be a good song so many women have been in touch to say how much the show and the piece of music has inspired them that they put the song on in their headphones and they walk like Anne Lister and it makes them feel more confident so we love performing it even more now gentleman Jack there you go, that got you all striding around your living rooms. That was O'Hooley and Tida. You can hear more from them next week, celebrating Gentleman Jack. Oh, I can't wait. We, we also have, coming up later this month, an interview with the queer singer-songwriter Mowgli, talking about her upbringing in Germany with two mums and her very visual album, which is called Ravage, out in May. I think that's really interesting, how we've all become so multimedia. It's an ever-changing platform, isn't it? And just it? when you think you've caught up, they say, oh, have you not done a donald to go with it? Have you not, have you not, have you not sucked, sucked on, on sushi, sushi and told the world how it was? <laughs> 
I love the sound. I love, I love the sounds that you just gave. Can we hear that again, please? Can you? Can we hear the sound of you sucking sushi? Well, I've never sucked sushi. I have to say, and I don't mean that just metaphorically. Does anyone suck sushi? I would chomp on a piece of sushi. I wouldn't suck. So we have a very timely piece for World Earth Day coming out. World Earth Day is Friday 22nd of April. So look out for that as well. So lots of things to look out for, including lesbians who are going to be a lot more visible in the coming weeks as they prepare for Lesbian Visibility Week, which is actually international this year. Is it? That's what Linda Riley, our publisher, says in the magazine. So that's all good too. Linda Riley created Lesbian Visibility Week. I think it's amazing. I have to say, I'm just taking a slurp there. You and your sounds. my oral... What? (laughs) Yeah, no, don't get too excited. It's in fact the opposite of exciting. A slurp of my oral rehydration salts. Oh, darling. Yeah, I've only been here a week. That's not the good kind of oral that anyone... (laughs) My God! (laughs) Rachel Shelley! I'm stuck in a cupboard in India. What do you want me to say? I can't I can't leave the hotel room today because I have to take oral hydration. You're lucky. <laughs> Too much information. But I haven't had to run off several times during this recording. Anyway, that really is too much information. I feel like we bonded. We bonded yes. a bit more today. Yes. Anyway, my lovely Victoria Broom, it's been a pleasure. Yes, Rachel Shelley, it has. Until next time, everybody, stay safe. You've been listening to me, Rachel Shelley. And me, Victoria Broom. And have a wonderful Lesbian Visibility Week. Be visible. Be visible. Be visible. Pod Diva. Thank you for listening to Pod Diva, queers for your ears, in association with Diva Magazine, the world's leading brand for LGBTQIA plus women and non-binary people. Please listen and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Diva Magazine. You can email us at editorial at divamag.co.uk. Share the love by leaving us a review. Pod Diva. Queers for your ears. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.